Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. My name is Jack Murley. I am a professional broadcaster. Alongside me each and every week, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett to cast our eye over everything happening in the world of professional wrestling. How are you, Charlie? Very well. Thank you, Jack. Very well. If I'm talking a bit quiet as to anyone, it's because I've made the brave, brave uh, move of allowing the dog out of his crate for recording. So he's right next to my right foot asleep at the moment. But if he decides to get up, he's going to smack his head into the table and everything will go flying. So if I'm whispering at any point tonight, it's not a new gimmick. I've not taken on like the silent slayer or anything. I'm just trying not to wake the dog up. I like that, though. I like when a, when a heel talks really quietly, so you make sure you hear every word. But you, you're a little Attenborough this morning, I've got to be honest. Yeah, but hey, if, I, if, if I'm broadcasting like David Attenborough, I will take that. I'll tell you, you know that silent talk that commands everyone's attention? Our new coach, Joe Wurz, is like that. So anyone who knows rugby will know Joe. He's played for the Lions, played for the won the World Cup. Does not raise his voice above this. But oh my God, he's terrifying. I'm a little bit terrified by you doing that, to be honest. Mm. I'm, I'm a little bit scared. Let's crack on with it then, because it has been another bonkers week of professional wrestling. We're going to talk about uh, Monday Night Raw. We're going to talk about AEW Dynamite. We'll touch a little bit on Ric Flair's last match, but we have to start with SummerSlam WWE indicating that the Triple H era is well and truly underway with a brilliant show from Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, I was away for the weekend, so I had to catch up on it, but I saw the reaction on social media, Charlie, a home run for Triple H with his first premium live event. There was a tractor. I love tractors. Tractors are great. Yeah, a great, great first show for Triple H. But I think anyone who says a lot, he knows how to put on a good show. He showed this in NXT, but it was brilliant. And the fact they made a lot of matches we've seen before feel fresh is testament to both the talent and how they performed and how it was booked. You look at Bianca and Becky was always going to be a great match, but we have seen it three or four times in big matches this last year. Great match. How tough is Becky Lynch with that separated shoulder? Oh, my gosh. But then returning Bailey, brilliant. But then to bring out Io Shirai, who I believe now is Io Sky, since everyone's calling her, which is cool. That's fine. And then to bring back Dakota Kai. Oh, it just straight away, the, the, the show started, and it just felt like we were going into a new, fresh year. I thought it was a brilliant opener. And then the show was just... It was great for top to finish for me. Let's start at the end because I went on social media on Sunday morning because it was a Saturday night pay-per-view. I knew I wasn't going to be able to see it because I was away with my family. And the first thing I see is a picture on BT Sports Instagram feed of the ring looking like I've never seen it looking before. And I hadn't seen the spoilers. And I'm thinking, what the hell has gone on in this match to make the ring look like that? And your mind goes to all sorts of things. And then you read it and then you see it. Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, greatest last man standing match ever? Oh, it's got to be up there. I can't, at the top of my head, I can't think of one better, which probably means, yeah, yeah, probably is. And I know you're not a massive fan of last man standing matches, but did you enjoy it? I loved it. I loved every single thing about it. I thought it was fantastic. I loved the build on the night, that video package before that documented all that history. I loved Michael Cole on the call. I loved every single thing about it. The only thing, and this is nitpicking, is the Usos' interference at the end. If you've got the Usos, there are no rules. Why not just have them interfere from the get-go? But I can live with that. It's wrestling. I, I'm, I'm quibbling. I thought it was great. Yeah, it, it, was, it was outstanding, wasn't it? I thought Michael Cole had one of his best nights. When he screams, for the love of God, count faster, 
you're like, this man just wants them both to survive this. I thought Cole was fantastic. He added to it massively. Uh, it was quite nice hearing him with, as much as I love with Pat, him and Corey Graves still have great chemistry. I think Corey Graves, you forget how good Corey Graves is because he's just that good all the time and consistently turns up and is just excellent. So they, they were great on the call. Just spots we've never seen before because we've never seen a tractor. When he starts with the Fez press off the top of the tractor, like amazing, dumping reins out of the tractor, incredible. Lifting the, I can't believe I'm about to say this, lifting and flipping half the ring Incredible. And then the end, just I, I actually really like the spot of just piling things on top of people so they cannot get up. Just just crush him, crush him under the weight of all that. And then that shot of Roman stood atop him, one foot on top of him was just a brilliant, brilliant shot to finish. I thought I thought it was an excellent main event. I, I just thought the moment where Brock is trying to get the tractor under the ring and then you just hear something and I don't know what's under the ring, but something goes pop and it moves. And someone clearly says something on commentary because you hear the commentary feed drop out for a bit and it lifts and Roman falls backwards like he's going off a cliff. I mean, it was just it's not often that you because I was watching on a delay. You stop, you rewind, you watch the spot two or three times because yeah. you cannot believe what you're seeing. Honestly, it was just bonkers. It was it was bonkers from start to finish. And it, yeah, it was brilliant. It, it was a very, very good main event. And I think we've all said we are ready for it to be the end of Roman and Brock, and I stand by that. But for them to be able to make it feel fresh, do something different, and then have us saying that's the right time for it to end, it hasn't gone on too long, is testament to both of them and how incredible they've been. And it's had its issues through the years, but I think when we look back, because of the way it's finished, I think Roman and Brock will go down as one of the all-time great rivalries. I, I truly believe that, because it's spanned almost, what, eight years now as well? They yeah. They've been... The, the immovable force and the unbreakable object, or whatever the saying is, I've got it a little bit wrong. But they've just been the two titans of the industry for like the last eight years, haven't they? And I do think it'll go down as one of the all-time great, great rivalries. Here's testament to how good that match was and how fickle wrestling fans are. We got to the end of it and I thought, I could take a little bit more of this if, if they wanted to go again. Do you know what? This match feels so fresh and so different. And maybe that you get it and then you think, ah, I wish they hadn't, but it was that good. Yeah, I think that's probably why it's then the exact right time to end it, isn't it? You don't want us to be thinking, ah, that was a bit much. But no, that was brilliant. It was just a brilliant man. But, but I think looking at the card, I thought, oh, this could be a one or two match um, show. It wasn't. I thought the whole card was excellent. Let's go to the start of the card because uh, Bianca Belair, Nashville's own, as we said, coming out facing... Becky Lynch in a, in a rivalry that really has been the best part of a calendar year. It was at SummerSlam last year that Becky Lynch defeated Bianca Belair in a matter of seconds. A really, really good match. And for Becky to do it with a separated shoulder, you're our pro athlete. You've broken things. I don't know if you've ever separated a shoulder before, but I'm sure you'll know people who have. That is no joke as an injury. Which would have been lucky enough not to separate a dislocated shoulder. But all I know is that in rugby, if you do that, you're off. There's no way you can play on through the pain. Even if it pops back in, you can't play on through the pain. It, 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 it's not strong. It's not safe. It, it, it hurts like hell. So how she's then wrestled another 18 minutes or whatever ridiculous amount of time it is with that separated is sensational toughness. I, and I did think at the time I was watching, thinking, why is she shaking hands with her left hand? At the end, she shakes hands with her. I was like, that's weird. And that now we know she couldn't lift her hand to shake, up, shake hands. She couldn't lift her arm. Yet she's wrestled the whole match. It, it's incredible. It's weird if, if you were scripting it and it's clearly not scripted because if you've seen the photographs, you can see the shoulder out of the joint and that's a gnarly old injury. 
But if you were scripting this, probably not a bad time for Becky Lynch to take some time away when you've got Dakota Kai, Io Sky, and Bailey returning one after the other after the other. Talk about not just an injection of, of in, into the arm of the Raw Women's Division. It's like a whole new division. Yeah, massive. And you see, I'm sure we'll talk about Raw, but that storyline on Raw going forward, and there was a good picture on BT Sports, WWE, I think, of like, it was that faction, Bailey, Sky and Kai on one side, and then obviously Bianca, Alexa Bliss, and I've gone blank now. On the on the face side, I've gone blank. Asuka. Asuka, that's it. They were on the other side, and you're like, ah, here's six women who I would not have put together, but are now together, and there's storylines to tell here. And the feuding, and there's your basis of a brilliant women's division. And one thing we know is under Triple H, NXT's women's division was the best in the world. I'll stand by that. That women's division was sensational. And if he can bring the same sort of storytelling, attitude, excitement to the main roster women's division, which desperately needs it, desperately. But the two big things are we're seeing a Becky Lynch face turn, which had to happen. And I think we're seeing a Ronda Rousey heel turn, which had to happen. Yeah, it did need to happen. And I thought. Do you know what it felt like? It felt like Triple H came in and he went, right, is the old man around? He's not around. Let's begin making these changes. But it didn't necessarily feel wholesale in the way he was doing it. It didn't feel like all your favourites were behaving in ways that, that didn't make any sense. It felt organic. And I think that shows to me that all the stuff we've been talking about on this podcast for, for ages, Becky's a better face, Ronda's a better heel. We weren't wrong. We weren't like sort of shouting down the wrong alleyway. We were completely right. It's just it took someone like Triple H to see it. Essentially, we could do Triple H's job, is what Absolutely. we're saying. Easily. <laughs> Easily. And I don't know about you, but I'd happily split his wages between the two of us. I think so. I think we need a raise because they're going to two people rather than one. But no, no, no. I, no, I, no, I honestly, I honestly would just take whatever he's having in half. Thank you very much. Charlie, we would take the interest on whatever Charlie yes. on whatever Triple H is earning. We would quite happily live on that for years and years. Divided so, by ten, I'll have it. We'll take it. So, bookended SummerSlam by by some really really great matches. Let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff going on in between. I really thought Logan Paul impressed again. Jackie's brilliant. The man's brilliant. Like, I don't think him on the mic surprises any of us. I don't think that's surprising. I do think he needs to be a heel. I don't think he's a face. I think he's an arrogant, dislikable tosser. Can I say tosser on the podcast? Is that going to yes. get past? Good. That's low level. That's fine. Sometimes I say words and Jack just shakes his head at me. He's like, do that again. <laughs> right. He's a tosser, isn't he? That's what he is. And he's incredibly, he's uber famous, uber successful, and quite smug about it. But that's a brilliant heel character. I don't think any of us, and I know he's a face man, but I think he will be heel. I don't think any of us are surprised by his mic skills and his promo. My God, the man can wrestle. Yeah. He can wrestle. Like, and it's not like he's just, so the big spots are the big spots, the frog splash to the outside, the uh, the blockbusters, all these, they're, they're the big spots. But just his in-ring, just normal stuff, just not quote-unquote norm, not filler, but the bits in between the big spots, they're pretty bloody good for someone who's in his second match. Yeah. And you hear him talk about it on his own podcast, on his impulsive live, whatever it's called podcast. I follow him on Instagram because they have good guests on and stuff. You hear him talk about it. He is properly serious about this wrestling. He is. He signed a multi-year deal now, hasn't he? Multi-year, multi-date, he was saying this week. And he, he keeps saying this, but he's like, I think I found my calling. I love this. He's like, I'm hooked to the adrenaline of being out there in front of the crowd. He's serious about this. 
and and you're right the mechanics in between look you can probably take a celebrity and we saw it with floyd mayweather for example all the way back at wrestlemania 24 you hit your marks you do the spots i'm taking nothing away from the danger or how difficult it is but you can coach a celebrity to a decent one-off match It, it can be done this is logan paul saying you've seen me at wrestlemania now you can see me here at SummerSlam, and I'm just as good, if not a little bit better, because there's nothing to hide. Also, in a one-on-one match, not a tag match, you yes. can carry them through a tag match much easier. There's nowhere to hide in a one-on-one match. So what um, is what, if you're Triple H, you've taken some of his salary, he says, Charlie, earn some of this money, come and sit in my booking meetings with me. How do you use a guy like Logan Paul? Is he in the title picture, or does he just stay clear of that? I would keep him clear of that unless he's going to transition like Miz did from a reality star into a full-time WWE superstar. If he wants to be a full-time WWE superstar, nothing I've seen so far suggests he couldn't do it. If he wants to do that and you get him on a deal that is that, it is you're a Raw or SmackDown every week, you're doing the pay-per-views. It's not a 10-match-a-year deal sort of thing because all we know is multi-year, multi-match. That could mean two, two matches over two years. They're multi, aren't they? But if you have him as a week-to-week superstar, treat him like that. Because I don't, I've seen nothing of why he couldn't couldn't be that, and it's been successful with the Miz. That's how the Miz did it. Miz went from reality TV. Now I know Logan Paul's come through, not even reality TV, through real life podcasting. That he's one of those people who's famous for being famous, isn't he? Essentially, he's one of those people who you and I, despite being smacking the target demographic for knowing who he is, don't really know who he is. But everyone tells us he's really famous, and you look at his Instagram and his money and what he's done, and he is. But we just have to accept that he is at a level way above the Miz was when he came in. Yeah, exactly. So capitalize on that as well. Like they're not stupid at WWE, are they? Like if he wants to be in week to week and he's good, get in there because people will watch. I saw him. It was interesting. He had like a moment. He said, um, "Yeah, I remember I saw an interview with him. He was like, it was mad. He was like, I was at Madison Square, Madison Square Garden. He's like, and I'm on one side of the building on a post of WWE." my brother's on the other side for his boxing match who's like that was a bit of pinch yourself moment i was like yeah fair play the poor boys are doing all right yeah they they have and and i thought they were really impressive another sort of part-timer in a sense although obviously full-time on commentary is pat mcafee i thought pat mcafee does what he does so well he entertains was it the best technical match no it wasn't did it get the crowd happy did it send people home with a smile of course it did i thought it was really entertaining massive not as not as impressive as uh paul in the ring but very, very good all the same. And that doesn't surprise a Pat McAfee. We've seen him have multiple good matches um, with multiple superstars now from NXT to the main roster. But these guys who are coming in and doing really well, they're going to do a disservice to wrestling because they're going to start making us all think it's easy. And having, I have to tell you, this weekend, I had the chance to, as folks know, go and commentate for WAW in Norwich. And I got the chance to step into a ring. For me, just stepping into the ring was a bit of a technical challenge. Far higher up than you think, it's not easy to get through the ropes. So now I'm looking, and I've always respected professional wrestlers, but now you're looking and blimey, even those things that you think are easy can be technically challenging. You're going to be sat there watching wrestling and watch you get in the ring and be like, yes, look at that. Look, Oh, bro, I want the dog up. I want the dog up. Oh, that's what... You're going to be like, yes, look at the way he's, he's got in there through the middle rope. He's hardcore. He's hardcore. <laughs> One of those chants going, look, it, is this the most notable thing about SummerSlam? Not the matches, not the main events, not the turns, but that everyone I know came away from this event feeling energised, feeling fresh, feeling different. WWE feels like a different place now than they did three weeks ago. It feels like 
It only feels like you've got to watch it now. And that was backed up massively by Raw on Monday, which I'm sure we'll get into. But it does. And honestly, I'd be gutted if I'd had tickets to a show coming off and I couldn't go. Let's talk a little bit about Monday Night Raw because for WWE, that new car feel, it feels very odd to say about a company that is is this established, but it did feel like uh, the starting of a new era, a fantastic show, one you were raving about. Oh, it was sensational. Well, I don't watch it obviously on US telly, but the first thing that's interesting was the first hour had no commercial breaks, I believe you mm. told me, which is, which is mental, isn't it? But just look at what they had. The US title in one show. We've said for a long time, the US and the IC title do not feel important. In one show, my God, that title feels important now, doesn't it? From a great little um, promo package on the history of it, to two brilliant triple threat matches uh, to qualify for the main event to be number one contender. Because also, yes, want to qualify to be number one contender, want to be the contender because you want the title. So then a brilliant main event between Styles and Champa. And a new, credible, brilliant um, number one contender. It just it just made sense, the whole thing. It was excellent. It really was. And it was stuff that we've been speaking about for a little while as wrestling fans, wanting to see stakes, wanting to see uh, something that matters. What, why are these guys going out week in, week out, fighting for something? Well, for the US title, they've just shown you. Because Dusty Rhodes held it and Ricky Steamboat held it and Seth Rollins and John Cena held it. Suddenly it matters. And it was so easy to do. If you treat it like it matters, folks will believe it. And oh my God, the finish to that first triple threat match. Unreal. One of the best finishes I've seen ever. To go from um, Ali's 450 straight into Styles Styles Clash. Just ingenious. Incredible. Timing on that is I can't even imagine because there is about the width of a cigarette paper between that looking as fantastic as it did and clunky as anything. I mean, it, it really is a fine art to nail it and not have it look contrived, but it looked like the perfect thing you do. It made Styles look like the absolute ring generally is. Ali lost nothing from it. I thought it was fantastic. That's going to go down with the Evan Bourne RKO for, for, for years yeah. to come. Yeah. And how good did Styles look? He's been floundering for a little bit, hasn't he? Like not Since he broke up with Omos, which wasn't even his best stuff, he's not really had anything to do. And now suddenly you're like, okay, you just remind everyone in one night how good you are at wrestling. Let's hope. Like, why haven't we seen AJ Styles versus Roman Reigns? Is now what I'm thinking. Why, why, why has that not been on the card at any point? Well, it's something you can heat up whenever you want, really. But I think if you were to look at the career of AJ Styles, you would probably say the last year to nine months of it have been amongst the most forgettable that AJ Styles has had, not just in WWE, but probably across Impact Wrestling as well. It has not been a stellar time to be AJ Styles, but he's shown, give him that opportunity, give him that spotlight, and boy, is he great. And he loses nothing in defeat to Champa, and doesn't Champa suddenly look like the megastar he can be with that finish? Absolutely. And I would never in a million years have paired Champa with Miz. But it shows that I actually know nothing because it works. It's a weird thing that I, is working for me. And it just, if you don't know who Champa is from NXT, it gives him credibility straight away because the Miz is using him as like a bodyguard and looking after him and that sort of stuff. It gives him credibility. And I can't wait till Champa turns on Miz and batters him at some point. And, and, Look, the, the match we're going to get is Champa Lashley. 
that is talk about styles making fights i don't think i've ever considered what they would be like in the ring together that's going to be fascinating they're going to batter each other aren't they is that is that a clash do we know Have we, is that renounced as for clash it hasn't been announced but it wouldn't surprise me if that was coming to clash yeah what we did see on SummerSlam was a brilliant drew mcintyre promo he had the sword with him again and i'm begging triple h the next thing you need to do is get rid of the sword but a fantastic promo from Drew McIntyre saying, I'm the next guy, Roman, I'm, I'm coming for you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it being like, it's Roman versus Brock for the first time in a last man standing match in Nashville, just taking the Mickey almost. It was very good. Drew, you know what Drew strikes me as? Just the best person to go for a pint with. You'd have a right good time with Drew at the pub, I reckon. You'd get to um, the bar, no tra- Honestly, if I went to the pub, I had you on one side and Drew McIntyre on the other. People think I'm a mob boss. Yes, they would. That would be quite a look. You would get to the bar, but I feel like you'd struggle to get past all the women flocking around Drew. He's, as, yeah. I, as I say, in our household. And men, let's be honest. Yes, all the people in our household, he's known as Big Sexy Drew. Um, <laughs> that, that is his name. Beanie will say, um, is Big Sexy Drew wrestling? And I'm like, yes, yes, he is. She's like, oh, I'll watch then. Um, but the thing about Big Sexy Drew is I wonder if he'd have been able to cut a promo that loose, that relaxed in the old regime, because but- it did feel very free. They just It just seems like Triple H is letting them be themselves a little bit. Now, also, we don't know how much of this is Triple H. We don't know how much of this is the creative people who were there already who were handcuffed by Vince. So we can't give all the credit to Hunter. He might just be allowing people to do what they're good at, which is what Vince wasn't doing. So this might be people who've been there for 10 years and had all these ideas and the old man's never let them do it. And finally now they're allowed to. But whatever it is, the changes at the top and in a week, we're seeing the benefits on our TV. I am so excited for SmackDown on Friday. And let because... me be the one who comes in and says, it is only two, three weeks in. Yes, yeah, it the could all go tri- wrong. The test of Triple H is going to be how far can he sustain this? How far can he... Now, it could get even bigger, but for us wrestling fans who have been a little bit soured on WWE, I messaged you earlier in the week, we're going to get a Triple H WrestleMania weekend we're going to get Hunter book in WrestleMania. Now, if that's anything like the NXT TakeOver cards, that's going to be fun. Massively, massively. And we do have to say as well the caveat of Hunter had to book one hour of TV a week. He now has to book five. Like his, his, his job is very, very, very different. But everything we've seen so far makes me feel like we're in safe hands. Things like we've got Edge back as Edge. <laughs> Edge is Edge again. He's not some weird Judgment Day vampire. He's just Edge again. And that's nice. Can I like my favorite thing was Edge coming out and going, ah, I was a bit of an Egypt for a few months. I'm sorry. Anyway, where were we? And just yeah. basically reimagining the whole path. And to be honest, I'll give him a pass because no one wanted this, this version of Edge. I'll be interested to see whether they run with Judgment Day now or if that whole thing just gets forgotten about. We this... could get some interesting matches to get rid of it. And I do think there's a stable there. Uh, there's there's a storyline to be told and I'm not being funny having Finn Balor Damian Priest and Rhea Ripley together they're three hugely talented people but they were also handcuffed by a weird supernatural stable don't make them supernatural it doesn't really work anymore so I'd be interested to see and what what happens now and also Edge just speared Dominic didn't he so are we going to get an Edge Ray feud are we going back to 2006 I mean, you'd love to see it, but you wonder how you do that babyface versus babyface. Maybe yeah. you have Dom take exception to it. I, I don't really know, but... Also, how good's Rey Mysterio still? Un- unreal. 
unreal that and that when he's done like the um toboggan slide out of the ring on the steel chair at SummerSlam. I saw someone tweet being like, I'm the greatest luchador in history. I've wrestled for 20 years. Maybe I'll just rein it in. Oh no, I'll find new inventive dangerous ways to entertain. And it's like, yeah, that man's going out there and giving some of his best stuff just for us. And the thing about Rey Mysterio is I played five aside last night. I'm struggling was, to was walk he there? up the stairs. And, well, that'd be something. Who's that jumping out the sky at my five aside as Ray? But I'm saying that I'm struggling to get up. You know, you feel oh a bit achy, a bit sore. That's one hour, one night a week. Ray Mysterio has been doing this since I was knee high to a grasshopper. He he is the guy, and he's just sensational. He really is. So look, let's go from WWE to AEW. Really, amongst all the excitement and shenanigans over at WWE, AEW. Sort of lost in the shuffle a little this week, but that doesn't mean there weren't significant moments. We saw the undisputed elite return and a heel turn for Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish, Charlie Punch. Yes! A dumpster match between the Gun Club and the Acclaims, Jericho and Wheeler Utah. Go on then, Charlie. This is the moment for you. Oh, I just... My boys, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish, they got away from those, I'm going to use the word again, tossers. The Young Bucks. It just had to happen, didn't it? Cole coming back. It sounds like Omega's coming back. It looks like we're going to get the Elite versus... I don't know what they'll call them now because they can't be the Undisputed Elite. They can't be the Undisputed Era. Just the Undisputed Lads. Just the Lads. <laughs> just those are, The Lads. The Lads. And that if that's not your trio titles tournament final, what are you doing? I, I loved it. Here's, here's a question as I nitpick away. Did it feel as big as it should have done that moment? Because we've seen the Bucks and the era sort of, you know, they like each other. They don't. It's one of those very multi-layered stories Tony Khan likes. Did it feel surprising or shocking to the level you thought it might do? Maybe not shocking because I think we all saw it coming a mile off. And when the trio titles were announced, we all saw where, and then there's the rumors of Omega coming back. We all saw where this was going. I kind of liked how it was a little bit understated and it was just, I really enjoyed it. It got me when Cole said, if you're not taking Bobby Fish, then you can't compete. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, sorry, I misspoke. I thought, oh, he's going to apologize to them. And he's like, no, you won't be physically able. And then Bobby Fish just puts him in that sleeper hold. Roddy takes his knee out and then they just batter them. So it wasn't massive into any fanfare. It was quite understated, but I didn't hate that. This is a, if they handle this right, this is a long-term storytelling device that there's more than just trios matches. This can go for years if they want to, these two feuding and almost the fight forever sort of thing, like intertwined each other's stories forever. So I think what would have made it feel big is if Omega had come running out at that point, and I was waiting for that. If he'd come out then to save them, then that would have been massive. That obviously didn't happen. I don't, I don't know what they're, they're obviously saving that moment for another time. But yeah, I think with the trios tie, I think we all saw it happening. There was there was too, too many people in that stable and the two odd ones out were the Bucks. Yeah, and it's interesting that Hangman was the one who, who made the save. I tell you what, it's a real man who can make a save in a white vest and butterfly jeans, but I enjoyed that he came out dressed yeah. like that. The question I suppose is, Obviously, Hangman and the Bucks are going to make a run for these trios titles. If Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly really aren't cleared to wrestle yet, you sort of look, where are you going to stack them up against? Is it going to be the BCC? Is it going to be House of Black? How are they going to get them there? I mean, they're not struggling for trios, but if they're not cleared, you may have to wait for that match. 
Yeah, that, that is the only thing. If they're not cleared, then you'd probably wait for them to be the first challenges to if if the books and page in. But I, I generally don't think Page is making it to that final. I think that I think I think they're gonna let him get into the final and I think they're gonna turn on Adam Page and bring Kenny in. That's what I say. And I think it'll be a heel on heel feud, but just it doesn't matter because they hate each other, if you know what I mean. And they're all very popular heels because they're the young books, Kenny Omega, Red Dragon, and Adam Cole. So it'd be interesting, but I do I can see I can see Hangman getting the rough end of the deal again here. Yeah, I can. It's, I feel sorry for Hangman. I don't quite know what it is, but since his title reign ended and it seems to have gone off the boil a little bit for him, maybe it's just they're not giving him much to do. I tell you, it's not off the boil for John Moxley. Again, Ooh. give that man a mic and 90 seconds and he will give you gold. He was outstanding out back, wasn't he, in his white vest? Um, he just, maybe they got a sponsorship deal with some sort of white vest just company. Just plain white vests. Um, he just... You just believe every word he says, don't you? Mm. You genuinely believe it. And it's when he's like, I'm waiting to stop until someone goes to the hospital, even if it's me. And you're like, yeah, no, yeah, no, I believe you. I believe you. Just unreal, that promo that he cuts. <laughs> I thought it was a little unusual that Jericho decided to put his title shot on the line against Wheeler Utah. I didn't, didn't see the need for that. Not sure what it did for either man. Well, they referenced on commentary something about what Utah had done on Rampage. I didn't see Rampage, so I'm not sure, but something happened on Friday, apparently. This this is where it goes back to, again, AEW's presumed knowledge. I would I would kill for... And look, there are some video packages in it. I think they've actually started doing it better, but I would kill for a little bit more focus and saying, here we go, this is our main event, here's the story we're threading through, this is where we're going with it. And also, if you're Jericho... And I know he's this egotistical, thin-skinned, bad guy that wants everything to be about him. I get it. I really do. You wouldn't Pretty care. similar to you. Pretty, <laughs> you get it. You get it. Because it could be you. Me and Chris Jericho. You can't tell us apart. Two peas, one pod. However, why does he care? Yeah. Like, you, you're Chris Jericho. You've got a title shot. You don't care what Wheelie Utah says, do you? I mean, it has to be pretty bad to goad you into putting your title shot up in a match like that against a really, storyline-wise, really dangerous competitor. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I thought it was a good match, though. My favourite part, as ever, was Regal on commentary when Jericho low blows Utah and Regal just goes, I want to be angry, but it's something I'd do. I'm just like, yes, William, you're the best. Regal is such a, a great addition to that commentary team. He is, I almost, almost wish he was out there all the time, but you can't have a four-man booth. You, you just, it wouldn't no. work. But I really like what he brings to the table. Yeah, I, he he just brings an insight and expertise that no one else on that commentary booth have, and it has, and it's it's exceptional. I tell you what was also exceptional was the acclaimed Vince McMahon line. <laughs> Ooh, I think there'll be an angry Vince McMahon somewhere in his retirement retreat about that one. You just knew it was coming, and actually, fair play to AEW when they jumped the Gun Club at the start of that dumpster match, and you didn't get the rap. I thought. Oh, this is a shame. This is one of the things the acclaimed do really well. And then when they go, right, we've done this bit. We've duffed them up a bit. They're we're going to rap now. Play my music. We're going to rap. And you think, clever, very yeah. clever. For, for anyone who hasn't heard it or didn't catch it, it was no filters. We ain't Instagram. We'll make the Aspies, Aspies retire like Vince McMahon. And the whole crowd just went, oh. Just knew it was happening. Also, new thing to put on our wrestling show bingo cards. Mm -hmm. Kids in the crowd crying. Yes. If That's a are, new thing that we're looking for now, apparently. If you're Adam Cole and you've just done that and you watch back Dynamite and you see that poor little child, not just a little, not like Ms. Girl, a little bit sad. Yeah. 
this poor kid was absolutely bawling. You're going to be going, job done. Oh, Otto agreed. There's a bark in the background. But yes, yeah, absolutely. Also, we had it a few weeks ago on SmackDown with Roman and the Usos had children crying. And now we've got Adam Cole making children cry. Is this wrestler's new game? I don't think this is wrestling. I think this is camera people. Maybe we yes. have some camera people who listen because whenever you see a club get relegated or something like that, you see, and there must be a director saying to the camera people, look at the crowd, find me that kid, find me that kid. Or they identify them going in going, he or she looks like a crier. They're going to cry for us. Imagine that. Imagine if you were like, we're giving you a ticket in and like one of the security guards is like, uh, South stand, block C, row E12, definite crime potential. And then like, they just put a camera on you for the whole game. And you just go, what's, what's that? Oh, nothing. Don't worry. Nah, don't worry. I'm not talking about you. Not talking about don't you. Don't worry about it. Um, I, I thought, look, I thought it was a good dynamite. I don't think it was a particularly spectacular dynamite. I felt it was one of those holding pattern dynamites. And I thought it was one of those ones where some of the things on paper maybe were a bit better than execution. Case in point. Jungle Boy casually trying to run down Christian Cage in a backstage promo with a car, and it happens, and then they cut back to the commentary team, and no one's going, blinking heck, he tried to run him over with a car. They go, wow, Jungle Boy shouldn't have been here. Yeah, and sometimes it's like, guys, that's ridiculous. And attempted murder is one I always struggle to, to put over in wrestling. And we're hypocrites because we've just watched a last man standing match yes. that we thought was great with a tractor. But but you know what? Context is key. However, this version of Jungle Boy, fair play to Christian Cage for bringing it out of him because this is the best Jungle Boy we've seen. It feels like a character that would be quite tricky to evolve is now reaching that next level. I don't disagree. I just can't buy into this angry Jungle Boy. It's really bad, isn't it? It's really bad. But I just look at him and I'm like, oh, oh. He looks like a toddler who's not had his nap. I know it's horrible to say, but I can't. I'm struggling to buy into taking him seriously when he's being angry and being serious. I don't know why. It's nothing to do with how he's portraying it. Everyone's playing their part perfectly. It's completely my issue. But I'm massively into Christian being bad. I was massively into Luchasaurus. Jungle Boy's come back. He's done everything you'd ask of him. And I just, it's not clicking for me. And I don't know why. So is the whole angle not clicking or just the revenge for Jungle Boy? Just Jungle Boy's bit in it and it's so unfair. and I, I, it, It's not warranted. And like I say, it's my issue completely. But for some reason, I can't put my finger on it. I can't get into Jungle Boy being angry and going for revenge. Do you know what? I know what you mean. I, I like it. It works for me. But I don't think that this aggressive, unhinged, crashing the ring, trying to rip Christian apart every moment Jungle Boy is the best way to do I wonder if there's sort of a, a quiet rage version of Jungle Boy that would be more scary, more intimidating. Yeah, I, it just, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how to fix it. I just know for me, and there'll be some people out there who love it, and I completely understand why, because it's good storytelling and everyone's doing their part brilliantly. It's just not quite clicking for me. Speaking of things that weren't quite clicking for me, 73-year-old Ric Flair returns to the ring. This past Saturday, he has his final match, a tag team match with his son-in-law, Andrade El Idolo, against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. You may not have seen the whole match. I haven't seen the whole match. I've seen bits and pieces on social media. I've seen enough to know that while I'm grateful for Ric Flair having the moment he felt he needed, it made me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I'm not going to go and watch it. I'm glad Rick came through without any serious injury and that that's the moment he needs to stop and that he's going to stop because he's. I don't want to see it anymore. Like, I didn't want to see him covered in blood after. I didn't want to see that. And I'm so, I'm so pleased for him that he had 
Taker and Foley and Brett there, which meant the world to him and all that brilliant. But I'm just glad it's done. I'm not glad it happened. I'm glad it's done. I hope so as well. It's one of those things where it's not for me. Clearly, there's a market for it. Clearly, for some folks, this is going to be a great moment. They're going to be delighted with it. But for me, seeing Ric Flair in that purple T-shirt, muscle vest, I don't know what you'd call it, blood streaming down his face, exhausted after putting Jarrett in the figure four. I just feel it. I hope it gives Ric Flair the closure he needs. But it's something that I wish there are now people around Ric Flair, where if it hasn't and he says, I've got one more left in me, they really say, Rick, that that has to be it. To be fair, though, as well, it's not like he had the perfect finish at WrestleMania 24 or anything. So. I know. I know. But look, it did something for Ric Flair. It worked for him. Look, let's begin to take this one home. Time for everyone's favourite part of the show. Something needs to earn the push and something needs to go back to developmental. First or second this week, Charlie? I go first. Mine are fairly brief this week. Go for it. First is a repeat from two or three weeks ago, but even more so is those Lionesses who finally brought football home. Uh, But more so than just them, who amazing, just the best achievement. More so what the whole Women's Euro seems to have done for women's football and women's sport in Mm. this country. You look in, we are what, we're Thursday, so we're four days removed from the final. Um, The Lionesses have already sold out Wembley again for their next match, which is incredible. And the Welsh FA have just announced that they have sold the most tickets they've ever sold for a Welsh female international football match uh, at some around 6,000. And they've only just put them on sale as well. So it seems that what this whole tournament than the Lionesses have done for women's football in this country, and by that I mean Great Britain in general, is huge and just about time, really, about time. Where did you so, watch it? I watched it at mine. I just watched it at my house. Did you at any point think... Oh, here we go again. Germans one all extra time. Yeah. When they when they when they when it went to extra time, I was like, there's no way this doesn't go to penalties. And the whole world knows what happens to England in penalties. I absolutely thought we were losing on penalties. So thank God I was wrong. It felt like one of those moments to me, like when Andy Murray won Wimbledon for the first time, where it happens and you're sitting there thinking, I got no earthly idea of what I what I'm gonna do now. We've never, but we've I, made never won. I made a cup of tea. I made a cup of tea. Of course I did. I don't want to do. Made a cup of tea. That, that's what you did. England wins. Cheers. Yeah, Euros. made a cup of tea. I, well, I watched the trophy. I was drinking a cup of tea, having a brew. But and I, I tweeted this because I'm a huge fan of women's sport in general. It's brilliant. Anyone knows me knows. My sisters both play, won them to an international level. Obviously, my sport is rugby, so women's rugby is my sport. I coach. I'm involved massively with it. I was not a great fan of the Lioness, the fact that I didn't have much interest in them as a team because away from Liverpool and England men's, I've had no interest in football ever, really. I didn't know anything about these women. I didn't know anything about the team, really. Um, about the manager, Sabrina, Sabrina Veenman, I think you say her name. She's amazing. And about them before this Euros. I'm happy to admit that. But now, I will watch when they're on. I'm investing when they play because they've won me over, both through being successful, but also just the way they play football. And you see their interviews, the kind of people they are. So... And also, I saw a few people being like, oh, people are jumping on the bandwagon. I'm like, no, there's nothing wrong with that. They, like, there is nothing wrong with people joining the bandwagon late. Like, let them get involved. Don't judge people like, oh, I've been a fan of the Lionesses for 10 years. Brilliant. That is brilliant for you. I have been for 10 minutes, but I'm still just as happy. Like, it might mean more to you. I get that. But I'm not pretending I've known about them for years. It's Don't one of those things, people. isn't it? Name three of their early singles. Well, who cares? I'm enjoying yeah. the music. I'm here, enjoying the, I'm here enjoying the greatest hits talk. Like, who cares? So, yeah, so that, that was the end that was annoying me a little bit with people being like, you don't deserve to enjoy this as much. Let's just all enjoy it and celebrate the women and how brilliant they are. 
Yeah, absolutely. I would echo that. And what is going on back to developmental for you? People who have poor dog manners. Ah, okay. Don't just presume, and I, I'm fortunate that Otto is pretty good with people, but I know a lot of people have dogs who aren't. Mm. Just ask if you can go and say hello to a dog. If they're on a lead, go and just ask the owner, is it right if I say hello? And they might go, oh, no, sorry, he or she's a bit funny with people. They go, oh, okay. Because all that happens is you go up to a dog that's on a lead who's not good with people, and the owner knows that, but you don't give them a chance to explain that. The dog has a go at you, or worse, bites you or something. The only creature that's getting in trouble is the dog. And it's not fair to the dog. And I got triggered this morning because I got a text from my sister who has a little, she has a little sausage dog puppy. Someone walked home and just picked him up this morning. Oh, come on. On their walk. Someone just picked him up to say hi. You can't do that to other people's dogs. No. And so, look, my, my family good... has rescue dogs in them. Yeah. And particularly with rescues where you don't even know the background, you have to be, I, I know rescue dogs who we think in the past have been bitten by yellow labs because if they see a yellow lab coming the yeah. other way, they'll run in the other direction. Just be respectful. We had a very embarrassing moment at the park with Otto yesterday. It's the park right next to our house. There's a group of women who come every morning. I see in most mornings and they walk their rescue dogs on lead and they're all on lead because they're not particularly with the dogs. Perfect. I've had the conversation with you. I know if I'm going past Otto, I put one on his lead. We go past. We were up one end of the park of the day and he was playing with another dog yesterday and the rescue team, the rest, the dog, the gang were down the other end. I was like, that's okay. They're at the other end of the park. He's playing with another dog. He stopped playing with the dog. He looked at the other end of the park and I looked and I went, no. And he's doing his teenage face. He looked at me and he's like, dad, I'm going to see the rescue dogs. And he sprinted over. And I had to run after him. Oh, it was so embarrassing. And they were like, they're on leads because they don't. I was like, I know. I'm so sorry. I was like, this is completely on me. I was like, we're at the other end of the park. We're 200 metres away. I didn't think he was going to run over. I'm so sorry. I was also like, you see me every morning. You know I know this. I didn't mean to let him over. But no, that was... So I look like a... They must also have had the feeling that so many of your opponents have had in the past when they see you bearing down on them from across the field, sprinting in their direction. I wish that had some sort of effect on Otto, though. He just looks at me he's like, ah, oh, we're playing. I'm like, we're not playing. You're in so much trouble. Well, I'm going to send back to developmental today a really simple one. Heavy rain in August. What is that about? It is, you know, it's tipping down caught. here in Cornwall. Yeah, I was out in a running session yesterday morning and I started and it was honestly gorgeous weather. And by the end, I was drenched from torrential rain. We had this morning woken up at five thinking, what the hell's that noise? And it was torrential rain outside. So heavy rain in August. We have such bad weather here in the UK anyway. Let us have just a couple of months where it's just fine. Not a heat wave. Not torrential rain, it's something nice. in the middle. Just nice. Yeah. And I'm going to give the push, no surprise here, to WAW in Norwich. Uh, their fantastic Norwich Pride pre-show party, easy for me to say. It was one of the best nights of wrestling I've ever been involved in and one of the best nights, period, I've ever had. So come, come on, get... we've, we've, got, we've got five minutes. Give us a okay. lowdown on it. Come on. Amazing. Amazing setup. Amazing talent. Amazing to be involved in a... Uh, professional wrestling environment with a crowd again after all those years without crowds and amazing to sit ringside and call the action of young talented British stars some of whom because of how they live or who they love have been told they don't belong to get the opportunity to just be them it so, was so sensational a question on this now I'm naive it, it, it was Norwich Pride show are were all the um, talent LGBT plus or was it a majority or what, what how what was it so the goal was we'll get a load of talent who happen to be LGBTQ+, but the whole card won't be, but we're going right. to spotlight the talent who are. So we had um, 
you know, we had non-binary wrestlers. We yeah. had drag queens. We, I was there commentating. The event had drag queens in the crowd. It had folks who were out and LGBTQ plus and some who were just allies. And it was just the most amazing fun. And what was brilliant about it was it didn't matter who you were. If you were there and you weren't LGBTQ plus, you were going to enjoy the wrestling. But if you were to see that visibility, you know, I'm mm. a bit older than you. I grew up with Billy and Chuck on my TV screens. That's what I saw in wrestling. To see this variety, it was amazing. And it just, that's a bucket list for me now. That's done. If I never call wrestling again, that was amazing. From the videos you shared on your social media as well, it looked like it was a pretty hardcore death match. There was. There was a hardcore rules match between Mitchell Starr and Adam Lowe. And you think, okay, how hardcore are we going here? And about two thirds of the way in, the thumbtacks come out from under the ring and you go, oh, blimey right okay my favorite bit about it was on the conference your co-com said ah the drawing pins are out and i was like i've never heard them called that in wrestling but yes they are drawing pins in england but they're always thumbtacks yeah i loved it i love the fact that we're in britain we're doing a british show they're drawing pins so um waw if you ever get the chance to see see them go watch them they were great but actually more than that it just reminded me go and support your local wrestling federation your promotion whenever they got a show whatever they're doing Men and women on the card will work incredibly hard for you and you will enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And you never know when you might see someone who in five years' time you'll see on your TV on NXT or AEW or even Monday Night Raw. I remember I saw um, Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate at a WCPW show in 2016. And I won't lie, they opened the show. I didn't think much about them particularly. And then about three years later, I was like, these two are amazing. And I saw them, they were good. But it's mad what the how someone's packaged and portrayed can affect your thoughts on them. Because they probably weren't particularly better wrestlers because WWE were pushing them. I was like, oh, these guys are good. So you don't know who you're going to see. and I bet you'll have a good time. You will indeed. Look, we need to wrap this one up. He is Charlie underscore Beckett on social media. I'm Jack underscore Murley. Rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening today. Tell other wrestling fans about what we do. Charlie, I know this hurts because you've had to surrender your Clash at the Castle tickets. However... Do we see our first face-to-face confrontation on the road to Cardiff between Drew and Roman Reigns Friday night on SmackDown? Yeah, I think we do. I think we just get this hot heating up straight away. Side note on Clash of the Castle, have you seen the awesome graphic with the dragon the BT put out that like flies? It looks like Game of Thrones. It's brilliant. I love the fact that you mimed a dragon flying there as well. The arms <laughs> went up and there was a bit of flapping. Well, yeah, one disturbed the dog though. No, he's moved over to by the door for a bit of coolness. Actually, he's been a very good boy actually in this. I thought I I had a I had a horrible sight of him like knocking the mic over and coming in because as I was setting up, he was very interested in the mic. He's been very good. Look, that's time for us to go. On behalf of Charlie and out of sight, out of mind, Otto and myself, Jack Murley, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you again next time, but we're out of time for now. Bye bye.